to the mom of my kids. Ah, as a sound, that sound, she reflects relaxation. Ah, ah, as a word, she rings of rest. Ah, she personifies, if any word can personify that, it is peace, safety, fullness. Where there, when there's no other word, ah, ah, will do. And ah shines when every other word falls short to describe that ah moment. Mmm, delicious delights at her table. Mmm, comfort cuddles on her couch. Mmm satisfied, satiates her abode. When there's no other word, mmm will do. And mmm shines when every other word falls short of describing that mmm moment. In every language, the easiest and therefore first sounds humans make, these two words are actually one and the same varying only in placement of the lips. Go ahead, try it. Ah, mmm. Same sound. One with the mouth open, one with the mouth closed. Ah, mmm. The sound of shalom. John 1 says, God is the life in every human. Genesis says that God blew that life into the nostrils of the first two. Could ah and mm be the first and most basic names of God? Now put them together in reverse alphabetical order. Mm, ah, mm, ah, ma, ma. That's right. The simple form of the name mother in every language is ma. Ma, except for just a few that are na or ba. The first sounds that a baby makes are recognizing the voice, the first voice that it heard. Children often see mama as God. She's the source of life, the first uh, place of of provision, the first place of provision, protection, and peace. Eventually, though, we learn that Mama isn't God. And yet, fierce, beautiful, compassionate, caring, and loyal, cheering for your best at every stage, reminding you of your best at every stage. Maybe, just maybe, she's one of the best personifications of God walking on this earth today. I'll say it this way. Could God be as much like a mother as a father, or at least half of twice as much. It seems like as dads we've taken a little too much credit, a little too much of the credit in making the baby, a little too much of the credit sometimes in taking care of the baby, 
and also maybe our fair share, maybe taking more of our fair share of the story. And for that, ladies, I apologize. Happy Mother's Day. You guys having a good morning? You mothers, you feel blessed today? Let's give a little hand for our mothers. My 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 uh, wife is in the back, and so I don't get to lavish some incredible honor on her. But she is amazing, and I'm I'm grateful for her. And um, yeah. Real, real quick, I want to uh, make a quick announcement that before uh, moving to, instead of moving this to the end of service, because it's a real, real important announcement, um, whether you're on Zoom or in person, um, it, is that we are this summer starting what we're calling wayfinding groups. We actually already, shockingly, had a bunch of people sign up for this. I feel like it's, it's very hard to get anybody to sign up for anything. But in these groups, we are, um, I think as I've mentioned this before, in house church, we have been focused on exploring and retelling ourselves the story of Jesus. And in these summer groups, we're focusing on how do we fit into God's story. And so um, these are groups of smaller, three to four, and it's you know women with women, men with men, and we just want to invite you to sign up for this because the focus here um, is, is, yes, we're contextualizing it through the story of Jesus, but the focus here is how do we fit within this great story. And so we just want to encourage you to, um, to check that out. Andrea will send out another email that will have a sign-up, but we actually have to get your sign for you to be able to participate in this. We actually have to get you to sign up because we're going to be sort of placing people together and so, um, please, uh, if you haven't seen that, we'll, we'll text it out again, we'll email it out again, but um, yes, we, we, we want you to sign up for that. And that starts at the beginning of summer, so please, please keep that at the top of mind. Anyway, um, so you guys, uh, you guys feeling good today? You guys alive? All right. I'm, uh, I, love, I love Mother's Day because I get to celebrate my favorite people. And we're going to pray for mothers at the end, but i got a little word to share this morning. One of the things I'm very grateful for with my wife is that I get to share a passion with her that I share with my family, and that that is that we are a family that has a passion for Star Wars. And like I mentioned this to people, and some people, how many of you are, is anybody else in here a Star Wars person? Okay, yep, we got a few in here. I feel like Star Wars is one of those things that like everybody's watched a little of it, but you're either a Star Wars person or you're not. Like this has been so imparted in my kids that my oldest this last year had a Jedi Star Wars birthday party. And so that's like, and she wanted to have all of her friends do a lightsaber battle. And so we, we, are, we are down for Star Wars. And how many of you saw the season of Mandalorian that came out? And I want to talk to you about Mandalorian for, for a moment. Actually, before I talk about this, my, my most proud moment of my wife is a few years ago, 
I was, we were in the Disney store, which is like the worst place to go into with kids because they ask you to buy something every time and it's always like a big argument because we're not going to, you know, we're, you know, you take them in there to like have fun and play for a moment, but no, we're not buying anything. You can try on that crown, but we're coming out, you know, without spending a bunch of money. And so they have this like, I, I don't even know if it's still there, but at the mall, they have this area with this huge screen that shows all like the little Disney clips. And the, it was right when the 7, 8, and 9, they hadn't released, so we were waiting for episode 7 to release. And for the first time, we saw the trailer of episode 7. And I watched my wife as I sat there with my kids and watched them play, and tears came out of her eyes. <laughs> <laughs> as the trailer of Star Wars showed in the middle of the Disney store. And that was when I knew I married the right woman. And, um, but, yes, thank the Lord. But I want to show you, throw, throw up this little, throw up this picture. How many of you have seen this? This, this they call him Baby Yoda. His name is Grogu, okay? His name is not Baby Yoda. His name is Grogu. Grogu is actually something like 70 years old, so um, he looks tiny. But um, he, he is, from a storytelling perspective, an interesting, though, kind of character. And I want to talk about this for a second. And in, in storytelling, um, if you, I've read a little bit on film writing and on the sort of uh, narrative structure when you do when you do storytelling and when you when you tell a story the primary the 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 biggest thing that great great writers are focused on is on the development of their characters and so you watch it you watch a movie and like characters go through what is called an arc how many of you have ever heard of this term character arc and in a character arc they go on a journey. Um, you know, how many of you have seen Frozen? Like Elsa goes up to, you know, she, she grows up in her home. She finds out that she can hurt her sister. And she goes up into the, into the Frozen Tower. And so there's all these, all these external things that are happening. But a big part of the character arc is not the external things. It's the internal things happening. And she sings a song, you know, you know uh, Let It Go. And no, I'm not singing the song. And, and she, she's in the middle of the movie. This is the end of, of like middle of act two. And what she believes is, you know the way that I get over my issues is I just let them go. I move on. I go up to the ivory tower. I get away from all these people. And this is like her big moment. What, but what she finds out at the end of the movie, if you watch it, is that she won't be able to hide in the ivory tower she actually has to be vulnerable to love. And so that's, that's the sort of journey, the arc that, that, um, that Elsa goes on. There's an external journey, but there's an internal journey where she learns that fear will not save her, that love's the only thing that can help her. And so I want to talk to you about Grogu's character for a moment. I know this seems like, why are we talking about this? This is Star Wars and movies. But Gro Grogu, Grogu's character is what is called a flat arc character. It's very rare. In fact, like there are, there are books on this, but you could, you could Google stuff about this and find very little. Um, but they're what's called a flat arc character. And a flat arc character is somebody 
who they already have learned what it is that they need to learn, or they have what it is that they need to give to the world before the story starts. And so instead of them changing, everyone changes around them. And so if you watch the story of Mandalorian, you have this really tough bounty hunters and all these people around Grogu, and he didn't even talk in the movie. Like, he didn't even, like, he just kind of goes, eh, you know, like, occasionally he uses the force to help and do something, but he doesn't do anything. But what happens is, is that he's this very empathetic, loving little guy, and these people, especially Mandalorian, who is this tough, like, like, he been traumatized character who's been through all of this stuff actually as he is around him his this the obstacle of him makes him sort of break down and start becoming more loving does this make sense and so grogu becomes like a flat art character becomes this sort of like brick wall that everybody runs up against so like you know it like causes even the most hardened people to actually start to love or start to let go. For for fun, Winnie the Pooh is also a flat character arc in his movies. But um, for those of you, you can pull that down. Those of you that love Winnie the Pooh. And so this, is, this thing happens where everybody changes around them. Now, Jesus in Psalm 18 is called the stone the builders rejected. He is this immovable rock that even as the religious people encountered them, they could not get around Him. They either had to reject Him or change. Sometimes when I think about God's unchanging nature, I think sometimes when we think about God's unchanging nature, His immovable, His immutability. How many of you ever heard that word, immutability? The fact that God is unchanging. He is age to age. He's timeless. He's always been. In fact, John 1 says that in the beginning was the Word. You know, we know that like the things that He had accomplished, He had done before the foundation of the earth. So He is this unchanging He's this cornerstone. He is this, this rock that is either rejected or accepted. And when we think about the unchanging nature of God, I think oftentimes we think of the stoicness. We think of a God who is like, I am unmoved. I am unchanging and I am unmoved. But the reality is, is that God is often, I'm comparing this terrible analogy like Grogu. (laughs) God is often more like this infinite pool of love. That as we encounter it, we can't help but to be swept up into it or to reject it. His unchangingness is not a stoicness. It's, it's, It's an infinite goodness. That as you gaze upon the infinite goodness, you change. Or you reject Him. 
Oftentimes, we don't reject God with our words, though. But we go through seasons of rejecting Him in our hearts. We don't like the season that we're in, so we shut down our hearts. Or we don't like the answer that He has given, so we put a distance or a chasm between us and Him. And yet, here He remains completely steadfast. One of the things that if you go through life long enough, you'll, you'll have some suffering, you'll have some pain. And you'll have dreams, and you'll have desires that, that change, or they alter, or they don't come to pass. And as, as, things, as those things manifest and they hit us, we sometimes think it's God that's changing, but in the reality is, he's still this confident, this consistent, infinite pool of love. And we are changing. You see, God is the fixed face of love. It's not your interpretations of life that will save you. It's not your figuring out all the problems that you have. It's not the, those things. It's simply gazing in the face of love. It's gazing in the face of love. That's, that's what changes us. I want to read to you from John 15 and talk about it for a moment. John 15, 5-13 says, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered. And they gather them and throw them into the fire and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you will desire and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit. So you will be my disciples. As the Father loved me, I also loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you, that, you may, that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. I've been recently looking into this word abide because um, it, 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 I've, I've probably preached, I, I haven't in a, probably a year or two, but I haven't, I've probably preached out of this John 15 more than any other text in my life and ministry. And I've been looking at this term abide because it has some application for some business things that we're doing. And so I just decided, I looked at, Hebrew definitions and, or, or excuse me, Greek definitions, and uh, I'm, but I was looking at Webster's the other day at this word, and I want to read to you some of the definitions of abide. The first one is to bear patiently. To bear patiently. The second one is to endure without yielding. That's pretty good. The thing says in here, lies in the example, it says to abide the onrush of the enemy. The, the third definition here is to wait for. 
to wait for. And the, the Webster's uh, references the poem of Alfred Lord Tennyson saying, I will abide the coming of my Lord. The third, or the fourth that's here is to accept without objection. To accept without objection. I could just read Webster's the whole sermon today. To remain stable or fixed in a state. To remain stable or fixed in a state. The final one is to continue in a place. To continue in a place or to remain in a place. I want to read these back to you like in one flow when we think about abiding. I bear. I bear patiently, O God. I endure without yielding. I withstand the onrush of the enemy. I wait. I wait. I accept without objection. I remain fixed and finally I continue in this place with you. I continue in this place with you. I have one exhortation for you today. I do not have a very complex message. I have a I norm teach. Today I'm I'm exhorting you to something. Is simply this is to abide. To abide. Don't look for an explanation for your suffering. You can do that a little, but that's not the focus. Don't worry about the things you will do or haven't done well yet. Give those to God in prayer. Remain steadfast in God. Remain steadfast in God. Abide in Him. Like that is the message here. Remain steadfast in Him. Amen? Can you show these pictures real quick? Next one. Okay, here we go. No, go go back. I want to walk through them. How many of you know where this is? Muir Monument? Okay, so this is the only, to my understanding, I think this is the only natural landscape in America that was considered a national monument. So there's national forests, but this, this grove of trees is actually considered a national monument. And we've been here a few times. It's, in, it's, it's um, just on the other side of the Golden Gate Bridge from San Francisco. And the, the Muir Monument holds this sort of they actually call this one place in the walk, um, this place right here, they call it a cathedral because of the way that light shines through the, through the leaves. And it's this grove of sequoia trees. So there's two types of sequoia trees. There's ones that grow really wide, and they're, they're the widest tree. Um, and then there's this one that grow really tall. These are the ones that grow really tall. They both grow wide and tall, but these ones grow really, really high. And, and so it's really, really an incredible place. And I remember going there, most of the trees, get this, most of the trees in this, on this grove of, of trees are six to 800 years old. So like the time that like that the Notre Dame was being built, like these trees were, were sprouting. 
And they had seen ages of men come and go. And can you pull, pull just, I like the one, uh, next one. We'll just hang there. Nope, no, back. There we go. I like that one. Um, it, it's just beautiful the way the light goes through. In fact, the oldest, the oldest tree in this grove is 1,200 years old. But this is actually considered somewhat midlife or young for sequoia tree because they can live 2,200 years old. Like, think about this. 2,200 years old. And, um, like, that's older than, than when Christ came, you know. So it's just wild to me. And when you look at a tree doing a tree thing, it doesn't look very hard. Like all the tree does is sit there and abide. It just remains. But do you realize millions of people have come to look at the way these trees are a worship reflection of who God is. And all they do is remain. They just sit there. I, I looked for this uh, picture. That the, all the pictures were dumb. But I looked for a picture. I looked for the picture of a tree trying to fly away. Because I feel like that's what we do often in our life. We're like, oh we're, God, we're going to go do this thing over here. We're like a tree trying to fly. All the internet had to offer, there wasn't a single good picture because it's ridiculous. But I think about 80 or 90% of the time, we look like trees trying to fly. And we could just sit in the dirt and the light of God of heaven can shine through us and the world can see, can stand in awe just by the way that we rest. Hebrews 4 in Hebrews 4, we see the promise. I want, I want to read this to you. I don't, even, I don't even teach it. I just want you to hear it. It says, For somewhere He has spoken about the seventh day in these words. On the seventh day, God rested from all His works. And again in the passage above, said, They shall never... He was talking about Israel. They shall never enter My rest. Therefore, since it remains for some to enter that rest, and since those who had formerly had the good news proclaimed to them did not go in because of their disobedience, God again set a certain day, calling it today. This, is, this He did when long, a long time later He spoke through David as in the passage already quoted. Today if you hear His voice, do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken later about another day. What day do you think He might be talking about? It's not a day we're waiting for. It's a day, something Jesus has already done. There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from all their works, just as God did from His. Let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest so that no one will perish by following their example of disobedience. There are two ways that you can live this life. You can live this life in restlessness and worry 
Or you can live this life and rest. It's amazing to me that when Hebrews sums up the totality of God's promise to the people of Israel, it was that they would enter the rest. That they would enter the rest. And that's what He has for us. I have found that the longer I gaze at the face of unchanging love, I find rest. The longer I gaze at the face of unchanging love, I find rest. Matthew 6, 25-34 says, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? Why do you worry about your clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I, yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow stone in the fire, will He not much more clothe you? You have little faith. So do not worry, saying, What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things. And your heavenly Father knows you need them. But seek first the kingdom of His righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Man, each day does have enough trouble of its own. It's interesting to me that the rest that God promises is not a rest that is of life without activity. Like birds don't have barns, but they're still flying around and singing and gathering. Flowers don't have bank accounts, but they grow in beauty and they multiply. God does not even say that these things like clothes and money, He doesn't even say that they're evil. He doesn't even say that they're evil. He actually says, the pagans run after these things. I know you need them. Seek me, I'm going to give you everything else as well. He just says, but seek first the kingdom and His righteousness and all these things will be given to you. That's all God wants us to do. We're like flowers without bank accounts. All we got to do is bloom. All we got to do is quit trying to be the tree that's flying. There's activity for us to do. It's not that there's not work, guys. It's that the kind of work that a tree does, it was made to do. It's not trying to be anything. It's just abiding. And why does God want us to abide, to rest in Him? It says, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered. And they gather them and throw them into the fire and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, 
You will ask whatever you desire and it shall be done. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so you will be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love just as, my, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. These things I have spoken to you. Hear this. That my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. He asks you to remain in Him, to abide in Him, so that His joy may remain in you, and so that your joy may be full. He doesn't ask you to stoically stand like a statue unmoved at the hurricane that comes by it. He asks you to remain in Him so that joy would be exploding within you. That is not a stoic God. God has made us to be fruitful and full of joy. But in our worry about trying to be fruitful and about trying to find joy, we are like trees trying to fly and birds trying to bloom. It's like, I don't know how a bird tries to bloom. Just sit there and like, flowers are going to pop out my head. You know, you're never going to find joy out there. You're never going to find any joy out there. It's here. It's in God in you. This is the mystery hidden before the foundation of the earth. It's Christ in you, the hope of glory. It's not that you go find out, how do I be Ryan in Christ? It's Christ in you, the hope of glory. You will not find joy seeking and wandering and searching and explaining and interpreting and doing all these things. You will, it's here. It's right here. All you got to do is remain in Him. So mothers, I want to talk to you today. I just want to mention, talk to mothers. Your, your call, your call is to abide at your post. To be faithful in the place of love. To be faithful in the place of love. Be like Grogu. <laughs> just sits there with those sweet eyes. Oh, there's more to it than that. <laughs> I just want to say this to you mothers. This is who you are. This is who you are. Bearing fruit exactly in the ground you're planted beneath your feet. You don't have to go find one other thing. You are bearing fruit just remaining. Just standing in the grace of God as a mother. You bear fruit. Nothing else needs to validate you. Nothing else can give you sustaining joy. Just remaining with God in the calling of being a mother. Look, look, as you look at your children, you look, you look at the face of love. And you become the pool. You become the pool of God's peace that your children run into you as you see in them the face of Christ's love.
And I was having this conversation with Chandra, who's in the back a couple weeks ago, how one of the things that we've removed in the calling of following God is we've removed the, the element of delight and joy. We've, we've warped it into our mission. And it's not a place of delight and joy. And it's interesting to me because Deloitte, Deloitte, what, you know, I mixed joy and delight and then I turned it into a top four accounting firm, Deloitte. <laughs> delight's not a tertiary thing. It's, it's literally and figuratively the place that we start in Genesis. We start in a garden of pleasure. I tell you how you know that you've bought into some religion is that if you have duty elevated over to delight. That is the quickest indicator. We start in the garden of delight and we end in the garden of delight in Revelation 24. That is God's story. And so when we think about remaining in Him, the purpose is delight. I, my wife was out of town this week. And every time my wife leaves, I recognize the titanic space that she fills in our family. These kids did get to school every day on time. They might not have had a shower. And they might have missed a meal or here and there. <laughs> I did have the house clean, though, when my wife came home. That's this number one. All else can be forgiven <laughs> if the house is clean. I want to pray over mothers today. And it's funny, Suzanne, I'm so grateful you brought up Psalm 37 because I wrote down Psalm 37 in my prayer today. And um, I, I feel like, I know I said this was last week, but I feel like I'm just personally, like I have an axe to grind the last couple years. And my axe to grind is with this idea that there's something out there that God's going to have us go do that's going to make us better somehow. It's going to make us okay. We're going to find the destiny, the purpose. And it's going to make us okay. And I just feel like God's like, hey, I just want you to preach this 10,000 different ways. And today I'm speaking to mothers and I'm saying to you that you are standing in the most fruitful place. And in the same way that we can come to a tree that's 2,000 years old and behold the beauty and the majesty of God, there will be children's 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 children who will bear the fruit of your life invested in them. As the world ages and we come closer to the return of Jesus, there will be a never-ending multiplication of the fruit that you yield in your home. There is nothing that you will do in this life that will bear a more significant fruit. And I kind of got a little, Brian's like, you know, you haven't given mothers enough credit. I'm like, mothers probably deserve more credit than us dads. 
Let's just be honest. And so I want to pray for you. I want to pray for you, A, that you, you will be fruitful and you'll find the delight in it, but B, that, there, that, that God would remove this restlessness of like, i I got to figure out who it is that I am and what it is I'm doing. Because just, just sitting in the ground and drinking the rain, you are doing what God called you to do. So if you're a mom, stand up and we'll, you know, put, put, put your hand on them and pray for them. We'll just all stand up. You just put, put, put your hands on the moms around you. And we're going to pray for them. And I'm also praying over all the moms working in the back. Um, I want to read Psalm 37, 4-6 through to give us a context. It says, Take delight in the Lord and He will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in Him. He will do this. He will make your righteous reward shine like the dawn, your vindication like the noonday sun. God, we just pray that you, for every mom in this place, that they would that they would commit their way to you, God, and that you would give them the desire of their heart, which I know for every mother is for their children to know you, for them to be full in you, for them to experience the love that they have. And so, God, we just pray for that. We pray for every mom. We pray that you would make them, make their righteousness like the shining of the sun, that as noonday rises, that they would look over what you had done in them and that they would rejoice in delight because of what you've imparted through them, God. And so we pray over this. And we pray and we speak this exhortation to abide in Him, that the joy may be full. That joy may be full. Abide in Him, that joy may be full. We bless the moms and we say thank you for the titanic place that they fill in our homes. Amen. Um, I'm going to bring us to the table if um, any of you want to come with me and we'll go back to their seat. This to you and we ask you for miracles this morning, God. We ask you for miracles that we would receive by faith the nourishment that, as John 6 tells us, is supposed to leave us never thirsty and never hungry. God, we receive Your body and Your blood, and we say thank You for what You've done. Thank You that You've demonstrated for us that You rested from Your work before it all began. And God, we today ask You that You would help us to diligently enter Your rest to abide in you, to walk with you, to remain and to grow exactly as we are. In Jesus' name, everyone said, Amen. You may receive. Thank you, guys. We love you. Thank you for, uh, for also abiding my Star Wars analogy. <laughs> All right, I got just a, a, a few announcements for you guys. One is uh, Imagine, Ki Imagine Kids Weekend, which is going to be June 25th through 27th. Um, it's, it's $100 a kid. It's, it's going to be here, and there'll be more details to come, but start planning for that June 25th through 27th. Um, it's going to be cool. I know some of the details, and it's going to be cool.
this Monday at 7 o'clock, we have a women's Bible study along with Miss Jerry. And um, this Tuesday at 8.30, we're having guys night at Bolarama. And then, this is a very sociable week, so I hope you guys are ready to hang, okay? Saturday at 11 a.m., we're going to have a hangout and lunch at uh, Lakeland Hills Park right over here in Dallas. Um, and so all we're asking you guys to do is come hang out, eat some with us, play some yard games, and uh, if, some, if some guests come over to hang out with us, we're going to put up a big sign that tells them there's free food. So if people come hang out with us, then love on them. It's that simple. We're going to have a good time. Um, we got house church this week as usual. I think this is the last week. Is that right? This is the last... That this is the last week of the existing house church structure uh, because next Sunday is Pentecost. Uh, so that, that'll be kind of our ending point for this semester, if you will. But that is a reminder, yes, go sign up for the, for the uh, wayfinding groups so that you can be part of one of those. We also have daily prayer every day at 1130. Come pray with us. And we have youth here on Wednesday night. That's a lot of stuff. That's how much we love each other in Jesus. Amen. Okay. Um, so I'm going to uh, let Colby come up and close us. We're going to finish doing this inception service, and he's going to finish us with the Lord's Prayer. All right. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Eleven AM is the time of the thing Saturday. You you guys are dismissed. We love you. Have have a great Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day to all the mothers. <laughs>